Hey, hey, good, good, good morning. Beginning of another week. What's up, Peter? How are you doing? Doing, doing all right, man. New month in a way, so kind of looking forward to what this month brings. Really, change hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, we technically brought in the new month last Friday itself, but yeah, yeah. I get your drift. This feels like a Monday as always. Feels like a beginning of sorts. True, true, true that. Yeah, and this time we're getting something to really wake everyone up because we're talking about grindcore band, not only from Saudi Arabia, but a grindcore band that released a fantastic album called Condemned. Uh, this is Creative Waste. Uh, that's the band's name, and that album Condemned. Ten songs that work like quadruple shots of espresso coffee. One of the best grindcore releases from this year so far, at least for me. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I was quite excited uh, to hear the album release, uh, and I, I guess uh, this whole quarantine and COVID nineteen had some impact on it because uh, I've known the guys from Creative Waste for quite some time now. close to a decade and uh, they've been working on this album for at least a couple of years and every time i'd speak to the frontman for was he keep telling me short updates there yeah, we're working on this we're doing that so when he said that you know what we're dropping the album i was like wow he's like yeah i'm done with sitting on it for so long so yeah i'm glad it's finally out there and uh, more than that on the 1st of may uh, samstrong records from indonesia released the, the album on cd so yeah for those of you who actually still buy cds yeah this album is out on cd also it's fantastic and we caught up with fawaz and really this interview is uh, the story of people who absolutely love the music and also the idea of making music together as a band and it's also a story that interweaves so many different things there's identity there's protest there's just growing up together and just making music as an artist too so many different angles so let's get on to that interview here's fawaz from creative waste hi fawaz how are you doing today man i'm doing great man i'm sad so uh, sleeping it's all good <laughs> you know one of the things i've been saying recently is that you know one of the positives about this entire situation that we are all faced in is that you know what there's a new creative waste uh, album to listen to so uh, uh-huh. before we get into your new album condemn uh, let's just go back uh, many years how did you get into metal like were you in saudi and how did you like get access to metal back then it wasn't metal immediately like uh I got exposed to I would say fast and uh, aggressive music and uh in the beginning uh, it's like I've been exposed to metal but I I didn't know what I'm listening to uh this was I don't know maybe 90 I can't remember like maybe around the same time uh, with the PlayStation 1 or something like 94 okay. 95 something like that 96 anyway uh i remember the movie Mor- mortal kombat also there was that street fighter animation mm-hmm. and uh, they had like uh either uh, those uh, uh fast electronic songs or uh some rock or metal 
Because I remember, like, at the end of uh, Street Fighter, I didn't know at the time, but uh, it was Blind by Korn at the very end yeah. of Street Fighter 2. And Allison Chains was in the beginning with the Ken scene. So, uh, yeah, that's... I was just being exposed to it. I didn't know what I was listening to. I just knew that I liked it. Uh, I think it was... My beginning was through movie soundtracks, actually. Then, like, uh, came, what, The Matrix? Uh, what was it? Spawn? Soundtrack? Yeah, I think all those soundtracks had a lot of, like new metal and stuff like that back then yeah yeah so that that was like the beginning of it and then 98 97 90, mm-hmm. like 98 97 i can't remember exactly there was a summer we were going to the u.s and right before i went uh we had the this uh orbit satellite or whatever and there was this channel channel v it was totally random but uh they just came out of nowhere with this pro- program, this music program that I think was like the equivalent of Headbangers Ball or something. I didn't know what I was looking at, but all of a sudden I saw Sepultura. I saw it was Territory at the time. I didn't know what I was looking at, but now I remember, yeah. I remember like because of the scenes. And there was uh, also, I think Limbiscuit the Nuki was just coming out. Anyway, they, they were like showing these uh, tracks like uh, vid- video interviews and stuff. Like, what is this? It's unlike anything I've heard, you know, it's, uh, it, ma- it makes sense to me, like as in as of the aggression, whatever. Like I connect with that. So um, the same summer, I, we end up uh, going to the US, which was, I believe, summer of 98 or 99. Yeah, 99, I think, summer of 99. And, uh, yeah, you could not escape it. It was everywhere, in the radio, on TV. You had all these bands. Well, most of them, the new metal band at the time, was what, Deftones, Korn. Yeah, even Slipknot. And there was, like, this presence of music that uh, we, uh, we don't normally get to listen to. Mm. And uh, me and my brother immediately liked it. That was like the beginning, the gateway, I would say. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so there we met our future guitarist, Islam, in the U.S. Like after summer when school started, mm-hmm. I uh, ended up uh, meeting Islam in uh, my social studies class. That's pretty much it. Like, I think the, as soon as we discovered this type of music, we kind of almost already immediately wanted to start a band that's mm-hmm. i never thought about that actually it just came to me right now but yeah it's like uh, <laughs> here i am just uh, discovering it like a month or like a few months and then immediately i wanted to start a band we don't even know where to start you know i, I read somewhere that uh, creative waste or rather the band was formed even before you guys had instruments to play or something of that sort yeah how did yeah, it that's happen exactly- they're, they're, like I said, we were like in class. He's like, man, you like, uh, you started na- listing bands. You like going like this, like that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, man. It's like, yeah, man, they're the best, whatever. And then, like, yeah, we should hang out. And like, immediately, I can't remember, like, a week or I didn't know him for too long, but it's like, man, let's start a band. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's start a band. And then we just, like, browse online. I'm going to buy this. You buy that, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It's like window shopping from websites. 
Like, uh, remember, it was like a musician's friend, I think. Uh, I can't remember the websites at the time. And uh, yeah, we, we, we started the band. It was like a make-believe band at the time, you know. We didn't really end up buying instruments until, what, a year or two after that. We, <laughs> uh, the summer of 2000, we came back to Saudi. He stayed one more year. Uh, and the summer of 2001, I got a call from him. He uh, showed up at my place. It was during summer, and uh, he had his guitar. He was left-handed, so his guitar was upside down, and he was like, he had all his strings missing. I think you know, <laughs> he had like, like two or three strings. I don't know. Was, and we, and we were like, oh damn, whatever. He's like, he plays so- songs on one string, and we're like losing our shit. Very primitive, to say <laughs> at least. And uh, yeah, we just picked picked it up from there. I also I bought a guitar because the bass was too expensive, okay. so I didn't really stick to the plan. <laughs> but our brother, my youngest brother, was always the drummer. We that plan has never changed from the beginning. When we finally discovered how to tune, uh, get, got tips from start see watching other musicians play, and uh, like realizing what the hell we're doing, and then we just finally uh, met other musicians here yeah. and that's uh, sped up the process um, getting exposed to more styles getting recommended more bands and so on until uh, yeah until we reached uh, the style that we play now which was uh, I would say by 2004 I believe or late Actually, I would say 2005 with the recording of our first demo. That's when we finally decided on what we wanted to play. So, you know, you talked about uh, meeting other musicians. And I clearly remember uh, after discovering uh, Creative Waste, uh, the website essaymetal.com. And I think this was around the mid-2000s. Yeah, it was dot everything. I think we got dot dot net until we finally (laughs) got dot com. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I, one of the first things I was so surprised that, you know, there were metal bands in Saudi Arabia. From the top of my head, I remember, you know, Deathless Anguish, Wasted Land, uh, Grieving Age, and of course, uh, your band, Creative Waste. Yeah, I mean, at the very beginning, uh, we didn't know anyone. We were, we thought we were the only ones, like, uh, before we knew about the, the forum and... Uh, used to have like Microsoft chat and I met a guy named Walid um, on uh, he was from the same city as me Khalif, and uh, he was a guy who actually started recommending me new music who uh, started giving me tips he taught me how to read guitar tabs and I <laughs> took it from there and uh, yeah uh, he knew he ended up getting exposed to because we have an instrument shop uh called the wadiya and somehow you know like it's because it's not many people like if you go there you, you end up um crossing paths with people with the that also are buying instruments and uh, you end up meeting uh, other musicians that are involved so he, uh, I think he got exposed to uh, 
the future members of Son of Ruby, Nador was there. Okay. And um, I, I, I really forget how, but he ended up also getting to know Hajjaj from Son of Ruby. Yeah, slowly uh, we got introduced. And then it was just Cradle Waste and Sound of Ruby. Then slowly he introduced us to, there's a band called Rai Reed. And Kamal was the guitarist for that band, which is the founding member of Deathless Anguish. Those were the bands, the starting bands. Then, we, then like shortly after, uh, I started discovering the, the forum. And then I finally went to Kamal's house and met all of the guys. Uh, we were still like, didn't know each other that well, but that was the beginning. And then we became a community afterwards. Mm. And slowly we started discovering bands from Riyadh. Once we formed the community, we started going to Bahrain together to, to see like uh, sh- local shows there. We got to, kn- to know um, organizers and we decided to play show a show in Bahrain, FBF3. Uh, the, that was our first show, and like all three of us played there, like the Creative Waste, uh, Santa Ruby, and Deathless Anguish. And we, uh, my brother was the drummer for Deathless Anguish because he was the only known extreme drummer at the time. And uh, yeah, uh, we were like everyone's helping everyone else's band. And so, yeah, after that, we decided to start our own shows. And because we saw how it's done and got ideas, and we started do, we made our first show in 2005, Say Metal, and that started that helped see uh, get exposed to other bands in, in, in Saudi. Two more bands from Riyadh, Crimson and Dune at the time, and then the, we went so well, we decided to make another one, Say Metal 2, and that's when we discovered there were bands from Jeddah. Wasted land and so on, and yeah, we just took it from there. And through that journey, so many years later, finally, we're here in 2020. And let's uh, shift gears towards your recent release, which is Condemned. I must say, yeah. I thought it was such a solid. It's so heavy. It's 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 a very excellent release. Full props Thank to you, you guys for that. And Thank you. I, I'd like to first talk about what these songs are saying. If you were to ask me uh, to paraphrase the lyrics as such, I guess the two words that I would use to sum it all up would be identity and protest. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not looking at it from that, like, as in, I look at, I'm looking at it from, basically, from uh, the main title, which is, you're being condemned to a life and yes you are protesting and uh and i guess i never thought of the identity thing though because it was from slaves to conformity that was something that always stuck with us and i think you're yeah you you are actually touching upon i just didn't think about it from that perspective let me put it this way do you think what you're saying on the album through your songs and uh, through all the lyrics could it have been said by anybody else? Not necessarily. I don't think so. Why do you say that? Because uh, there's not a lot of people in, uh, that I know that 
come from the same place as I've come or has gone through. There's definitely people who can relate. Mm. Uh, it's, it's just that a lot of people might not necessarily understand what I'm trying to say. Um, but, uh, but hey, there's definitely elements anyone can relate to. But I'm talking about as on, like, on, uh, you know, we come from uh, Katif and uh, that's like uh, an area in Saudi that's, uh, that's usually known to be, uh, let's say, that's treated differently compared mm. to other parts. I'd say I had a different experience growing up in Saudi compared to other Saudis in, in certain regards. So, like, the identity part does play in... Because, in, uh, you know, Saudi is primarily Sunni and Shia, and, like, mm. Shia are seen as the minority, and they live in the, you know, like, areas like Katif and so on. So you have that. And uh, when you go outside, let's say, in the global, let's say, geopolitical, if you go to the U.S., whatever, uh, it turns... Like, race suddenly matters uh, to certain people, obviously. Um, uh, you're, uh, what's it called? Whatever, how you're perceived. You know, if you're from the Middle East, immediately people, I've noticed, they immediately assume you're a Muslim, no matter what. You know, because we have people from other faiths, and, uh, I mean, they don't say that, but, you know, we have atheists, we have uh, agnostics, we have, uh, you know... A lot of different, but they don't stop to think about that. They immediately assume you're 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 Muslim. You're from that part, and uh, so you get treated a certain way, you know. And with recent events, uh, TV, whatever, kind of go with the whole um, scapegoating and fear mongering, and so yes, yeah, that's like a part of like venting about you know like how I see it. The stupidity of it and and only works on only works when you don't think it through uh, it only works when you're fed half a truth and you know half the truth is it's pretty much as misleading as any lie there is is there a yeah. statement uh, this album makes of what is it and why does it need to be made I don't think it needs to be made. It's just that's what goes hand in hand with my music, basically. It's just uh, so I think I think of it as almost like these words are first and foremost for me. Um, I'm not really uh, writing it for anyone uh, because uh, let's be honest, man. Majority of people who listen to metal or any any people who listen to extreme metal. Don't mm -hmm. even take a second to look at lyrics. You know, it's all about <laughs> music. They, I, I honestly hear people, some people even complaining about uh, bands making uh, lyric videos. Like, they are so <laughs> annoyed. They're so annoyed that there are even lyrics. That's what it seems like. I'm like, I'm like we've, we've, come to, we've come to that part. Like, as in, man, then what problem do you have with mumble rappers, man? Then... You know, <laughs> like, what's the difference? So, yeah, some people, they care about. Uh, but what they really saying, honestly, a lot of them are saying they, they just don't want to think about it because they like become. I feel like they, it makes music serious and they just want it to be fun, mindless mm -hmm. for, for a lot of people. And I, I can't hate on them for that. 
But I'm just saying, you know, like, uh, you don't want you don't want the lyrics, man. Just listen to the version without the lyrics. Just don't look at the screen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I honestly don't feel like that culture exists, to be honest, uh-huh. in the extreme metal community. I don't, I don't think it, that's more of a punk thing where the lyrics are more important than the musicality. In the metal community, it seems all about the virtuosity and like the instrumental aspect. Uh, lyrics okay. like take the back seat. Like I, I feel like very few people care about that. Which is weird because I, I think that uh, your songwriting process would be to first think of the lyrics and then bringing in the riffs of the music. Lyrics do matter to you, essentially. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. They matter to me. But if they didn't, I wouldn't spend time writing them. But I'm just saying the, the, how, that's the general consensus, consensus mm. I'm getting all over the years and with, with uh, you know, friends. And this is the atmosphere I'm getting. You know, like, they, I feel like they all, like, write lyrics because they're supposed to. Mm. You know, that's how it feels. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm the one who can't can, can do that. I really can't. Uh, like writing lyrics actually is the hardest process, but it's uh, again, music is a form of expression. So if you're not expressing yourself, you know, like um, you can express yourself through just sounds, through just playing guitar, through just screaming incoherently, uh, or you, you can also, you know, add uh, another dimension to it. Uh, which is, you know, when you write, uh, you write your lyrics and you combine the two. It makes the experience much more pow- powerful, in my my personal opinion. And because uh, you're communicating something that is uh, it's even more highlighted, you know. How do you then end up writing the songs? Uh, do you first bang out what you want to say as such, the lyrics as such, or is it first the riffs that get made and then the lyrics are written? Uh, most of the time, yes, I would have uh, a general idea like um, on, on what I want to talk about. Just general guidelines, nothing specific. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, I'd have to wait until the instrumentals are done because uh, I find them to fit better when I'm writing with those in mind because I'll have to make a lot of adjustments if I just write them and try to find a song where it fits you know because of the syllables the rhythm will be forced of course so, of course yeah. yeah so what I do is I, I just basically finish uh, the instrumentals and then I write the lyrics actually like half more than half of the lyrics were written before the album was after all the instrument instrumentals were done and honestly like the more i write the the clearer the picture gets to me like what i what i'm really trying to say Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's actually unintended i just realize that i'm talking about the same thing it's just in different like uh, i'm just focusing on different aspects of the of the same thing so, you know, you talked about your whole approach. Uh, Condemned was recorded between late December 2015 and mid-2019. That's more uh, than yep. three years. How was that time spent uh, and why did it take so long? Opening up a can of worms right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I think because we were going through like a uh, band... Uh, 
member changes, uh, studio problems. Uh, we didn't have a place to record it. I can't, I can't remember exactly. Like so many things happened. Gathering the money to get it recorded. So it's, it's not really one thing. It just kept getting sidetracked, man. I just, it, it's weird. Like now it sounds simple, but at times it seemed like there's always something. Like I had to wait for this person or that person. Or, uh, I mean, to be fair, like also our previous record uh, had that same problem because our guitarist was living in Riyadh. And I think uh, when I started waiting for people, that's when it took longer and longer. So I, what I ended up doing is uh, um, I'm just going to do the tasks that I can do. So I, I basically, uh, let's say all the songs were writ written and recorded uh, as a scratch. So I said, just going back to what you said. So you were done with the instrumentals in 2014. So you, when did you kind of know when the song was done as such? Yeah, I mean, the songs were done, but they weren't recorded properly. So okay. that was like, uh, that, that's like the pre-album phase. Like, we weren't going to release those. Those were just for us uh, okay. to uh, iron out the, uh, ring, you know, like, uh, whatever needs to be tightened or whatever. We usually, uh, I, we started that because uh, I need to hear them out more and more to see if there's any room for improvement or, or so on so it's like a process that we started doing so we've talked so much about uh, condemned uh, let's play a track from condemned which one should we play and why probably obedience i'd say because okay. um i think it pretty much is has like most elements and uh, that, you know, give you a better idea of, of the whole, uh, I don't know, it shows you more aspects. We, we, we typically, like every song in the record, we try to, I try to almost not do the exact same thing from track to track. Like, uh, if you notice, we do that with all our records. Because I like so many styles, I will have a fast song, I will have a slower song, I will have a song that's mixed, I will, like... It's kind of like that, like, um, so because I try to cover as as much of uh, things I'd like to hear in a song. So anyway, uh, obedience is one longer, so therefore we had chances for uh, to show different elements. It's got so here's track five from Condemned. Here's obedience. Inequality. The eighty or ninety richest people in the world have more wealth than the bottom half of the population, three and a half billion people. The system of indoctrination of the young. The educational system is supposed to train people to be uh, obedient, conformist, not think too much, uh, do what told, stay passive, don't cause any crises, don't raise any questions. Basically what the system is about. If you took away half the wealth of those 80 to 100 people, guess what? They'd still be the richest people in the world, only you'd now have a vast amount of money to deal with the sickness, the lack of education, the absence of water, the insufficiency of food of the vast majority of people. 
Fawaz, I love the integration of the samples through almost all the songs. And I'd say the samples itself are as, are as integral to the songs as the lyrics and riffs themselves in some places. I mean, you ended up using uh, Pastor James Wright on Anomi, right? When the oh, yeah. Hey, know. this guy knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an iconic speech now. Um, so yeah. my question to you is this, how much time did you spend collecting all of these samples and ensuring that they fit seamlessly into the songs? That's actually, yeah, that's a good question. Um, over the years, I, I just make mental notes. Like if I've watched something or, you know, if I come across like, you know, a powerful speech or whatever, or something that resonates with me or I think is relevant, I just take a note of it. And I like write it down somewhere because I know maybe one day I'll need it. That's kind of like how it worked. I, I, they were like, I knew of most of them I might end up using from a while back. But I did not think about the placement or anything until after the album was already recorded. The lyrics have already been written. Then I, I, I was like, okay. 
this might fit here, this might fit there. It, it helps because there. Uh, I just saw what's relevant, you know. Um, so yeah, it did take a bit of experimenting. Uh, I I really did try, and uh, Hani also like I it was giving me feedback, and uh, okay, actually like at the, at the very beginning, uh, I almost skipped that part. I was gonna re release the record without the samples, but um, Hani encouraged me, which was the initial plan. So I spent the time to actually. Uh, pick and choose where to, to put them. So yeah, I, I did work on them. And uh, I thought, like I said, for, especially for people who aren't used to like extreme or people who would like to uh, check out the lyrics, but can mm. this song title does give you an idea. But also these, um, these uh, samples, when they're like in speech form or they immediately get you to notice uh, or touch upon what uh, topics are being discussed. Mm. Like I, I didn't pick just random samples and just put them there because I thought yep. they sounded yep. cool. Yeah, uh, I, I put them there because, you know, the, I see them like they're relevant. Or, like, the certain tracks would have, like, so many um, dimensions to it, and this guy, like, completes a part that I, I was not able to because uh, you know when you write lyrics you you, can, <laughs> you, you have to be uh, uh, what's the word as, as concise as you can because yeah. you only have limited spaces where, and you have to get all these thoughts across it's, it's pretty challenging so adding those samples helps uh, helps with that helps uh, like uh, highlight the message of that track or whatever yeah it makes them more real in a way too it gives context because everyone will, will read and perceive certain uh, lyrics in their own way. But that kind of uh, frames it better, you know, so there's like less room for you to go too far in a way. <laughs> that makes any sense. Yep, it does. It certainly does. Okay, tell me something. Uh, one thing, of course, uh, that anybody who listens to this will note is the strong punk vibe as such throughout the whole album. Lots of D-beats, lot lots of hardcore influences. Of course, all of that is like it's grindcore uh, staples as such. But uh, uh, how strong is the punk element in your music palette as such? Um, is punk and metal largely just two sides of the same coin for you? Yeah, uh, to me... Uh, honestly, like I don't, I don't play the you know the genre separation game. Uh huh. But because yes, I do see them like you know like uh, if you look at thrash or uh, like most of the styles I listen to are always like have a crossover vibe or and uh, for example, I I feel like punk or uh, you know punk hardcore or whatever like lyrically, you know like I can relate to them way more. And when it comes to like the musicality of metal, I like that too. So, so to me, that's you know, that's just getting the best of uh, worlds, uh, both worlds. I will say this though: I feel like, uh, yeah, obviously, message-wise, uh, we get we'd get along better with uh, punk and hardcore community. Uh, the metal community don't, like I said, they only care about majority of them 
are they just care about the instrumentals and how you know technicality speed or whatever they're not really message driven and that's why you get most of these bands like you know iron man or whatever they're always like fantasy or monsters or that's just not their thing yeah you know you you touched upon this earlier when you talked about the lineup changes uh, you're now from a three piece four piece uh, how did hussein and abdul aziz become part of the lineup i mean i'm not i'm pretty sure like you said earlier it's not that easy to find musicians or like minded musicians in saudi arabia yeah i mean uh, abdul aziz was was actually not uh, i mean he was uh he was with me in school at the time i didn't even, i didn't know he was uh, i knew he liked metallica i just didn't know he was uh he was into metal he w- he wasn't really much of a death metal or grind guy but he he got exposed to it and we turned him to it and he was he was quick enough to pick, pick up with it because we were doing this uh side project named uh Sidbeet. was an old school but at the time the vision was an old school death metal band uh with santu um the band didn't continue like uh, i mean the band exists now but it's completely different uh path and uh, i'm not in it anymore uh, neither is aziz but from there on out like you know aziz was showed that he was you know it's pretty dedicated he's up to the task and not to mention he was always a good friend so it just made sense to to just finally have him in the band uh, that's as far as aziz goes aziz has been with us since 2014 i believe yeah 2014 uh, when we made our uh, second trip to the us had a, a tour there we played Boston, Philadelphia and so we got to Maryland. Uh we played them the uh, Maryland Death Fest 2014. So yeah, that's when uh Aziz was officially a member. And uh, Hussein came later on. At the time uh we, we were we were struggling with guitarists because you know, I saw him can't uh be around because of work and all those commitments. And uh yeah, we just kept getting like people to session at the time it was Chris Chris Leamy who plays who now plays with Siege so he's been he's been helping us out uh, whenever like you know uh Obscene Extreme Mexico we America he he played bass for us there because Hassan was with us actually at the time when we went to Maryland Death Fest 2014 he was on guitar and uh as he was on bass So you yeah. you kind of touched upon your journey over the past few year, few years I mean not only did you all play obscene extreme you all played Maryland Death Fest uh, you all played Mexico and you know last year finally in October you all played your first public metal gig in Saudi Arabia uh, oh, yeah. I still remember seeing you and just being amazed that that finally happened so if you could just briefly tell us how that whole gig came about Oh yeah that I mean that gig was uh, started off as a crazy idea like uh you know one that you uh, you're not so sure that you want to entertain uh <laughs> but uh but that's a thing when, uh, you know that's a, when I heard about it when I got the offer I'm like 
Yeah, why not, man? Let's just do it. I mean, it's never going to be appropriate. It's never going to be... You have to, like, just go for it. And we we um, we accepted to do the show. Uh, there was a lot of bands that wanted to start. Like, they, they, they said they're going to play in the beginning. But I don't know what happened. They just... Uh, bands just kept dropping and dropping. Uh, you know, uh, some of it was concern, genuine concern, like, uh, that you know they weren't sure what's going to happen some of it was yeah. commitments you know people had like issues so uh, yeah I mean the show uh, was shaky leading up to the show happening not not from the organizers side the organizers were were just straight up it was just from the, the bands that were going to perform and they, they just changed so many times in the end, the, the ones that performed were uh, um, Shamal, uh, uh, Doom Band, a new Doom Band from uh, Eastern Province. Uh, yeah, I would expect them to release something after the, you know, uh, hopefully after this Corona thing is done. And uh, Madani, Madani Zakari, he's always been around in the scene. He, he used to be in um, Breeze of the Dying. Who got some, uh, yeah, who were featured in that uh, MTV Life thing. Uh, yeah, they, they, they've been around for a while, but that band stopped. So, and Medani's still carrying on. He's, he's known to be one of the best guitarists here. And uh, yeah, he, he did a solo show. And then it was us that closed the show. And it, yeah, it's just, it was unreal. Uh, first time my mom attends, a fa- you had family attending, you had friends <laughs> attending, you know, who won't no- normally. And the funny thing is, majority of the attendees have probably never heard like death metal in their life, you know. So, the- <laughs> so and, and for them to be like, the energy was like, you know, they were all having fun. They. And that's the thing. Uh, live shows have a different vibe because you start to understand uh, better what why the style is played the way it is uh, live. You know, because it's it's in context. There's context to be uh, delivered. When you're listening to it on a record, it's there's a lot of things missing. There's a lot of things missing. That's why you have like a lot. You know. Uh, it's no matter what you do there's there's always something missing on a record um you know this i don't know i I just can't articulate it right now but yeah yeah. uh one of the things that of course made worldwide uh, news last year in december was there was a three-day music festival called mdl beast or beast near riyadh uh and you had like from all over the world uh, flying in. It was supposed to be one of the largest concerts ever. But uh, more relevant to you, do you foresee, uh, you know, a metal or even a rock show of that or even smaller size happening in the near future in Saudi Arabia? There have been talks. I mean, after that show in Khobar, the one we, you know, the first official public metal show. I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it's kind of like, I don't know, say successful in, in many fronts. Okay. Like uh, it got sold out in three to four days. 
like as in the, uh, they had limited seats and it, like just three four days no one was expecting that you know they were actually okay. late in promoting the show they were late in it and uh, we thought oh man they're they're late it just took three four days and there were more people wanting uh, wanting in. we had we squeezed a few people in actually and uh so uh, that's the thing Ma the majority of the consensus here oh like a lot of organizers don't even bother with that oh you know there's no draw there's no that's the thing there is huge draw for this you know uh so it kind of opened uh some people's eyes that they wanted to try to to actually put something together based on the reception i would say they are thinking I, i've heard a few people who talked to me who said they're gonna organize something and nothing is yet to materialize but there have been talks and um, we're we're trying also on other fronts uh i have a few friends of mine who uh, who are actually talking to the ministry of culture and trying to get them to start opening venues because uh, we're, we're pretty much at the infancy stage for uh, you know local events we don't have local venues like shows here yes now you can get permits and you can make there's only like two types of shows you can make small coffee shop shows or huge middle beast level shows there are no okay. uh, venue shows middle. like as an yeah like in the middle like yeah also like as far as i know not many people can charge for tickets that's that's very hard to do so it's in turn it's very hard for uh to keep those shows going and bands getting paid because unless you're playing a big show like a, a festival event like something we did in the, which was like gamers con as a side project, we played uh, with this band we formed for, you know, basically playing instrumental uh, instrumentals and instrumental covers. It was basically okay. a job. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you make money, but those events don't happen too often. But those were like large scale events. Uh, and then you have the small coffee shop events. You can't really, you still there, you still can't charge tickets for that. Like the 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 permits are not issued for that yet. So they they'd have to pay you like from I don't know their proceedings from the drinks or whatever, like for the coffee or whatever. You know, they don't sell the drinks because you know we're Saudi. <laughs> There's only coffee here. Just just to just clarify, you know. Uh, and uh, yeah you know we've talked uh, a lot about you know kind of your journey so far and condemned uh, but what's next for creative waste what's uh, next on the plan shows a lot of shows that's uh, that's what we hope to do like play as many shows as we can we were supposed we were supposedly scheduled to uh uk death fest in late august um nepal death fest uh late mid-november but i don't know if those are gonna happen uh based on what's going on right now i have no clue right. um but yeah the idea is to play as many live shows as we can i i feel energized to start you know start writing new material um 
you know, th this this stuff might be new to a lot of people, but to us, it's pretty outdated. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I feel like we got our process under control, like uh, under, got it down. Now I know how to, I learned a lot doing this. And yeah, let's see. So I hope all your plans work out in the near future. And uh, thanks a lot uh, for your time for thanks. us. Uh, thanks for no, chatting thank with you, us. Thank you, thank you. Well, so much of what he says, you know, it kind of reminds me of how the Bombay scene as such came together. Passionate people who just found like-minded people and worked their asses off to make things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing is, uh, for a lot of people, they'll be like, oh, yeah. And, and like, I like what he said, the whole thing that, you know, there's a whole stereotype of Saudi guys. But like, you have to understand their whole perspective. So, yeah, considering where they come from and then... Like making like I still remember, dude. First time uh, hearing them and being like, "What the hell? Like, how are these guys even recording? Like, let alone like playing music and stuff." And like, I went back when when we did the interview to listen to their first EP, and I'm like, "It sounds like absolute shit." And like he says, like they were all kids, they were all figuring it out. But just the fact that you know there's something coming out there, they were angry, they were pissed off. Yeah, it goes to show that. At the end of the day, if you really wanted to achieve something, you just have to get out and do it and you learn along the way. That really is also a part of everything that uh, metal is about. So on that note, that's all that we have from this episode, episode number 70 of Horns Up. Next episode, I think we're going to remain in these geographical territories as such no it's not another band from saudi arabia but it's a band from egypt this time right we're getting yeah. scarab on horns up now it's official you actually have something to look forward to till the next time you can always reach out to us on hornsupbot.com i'm aras Mohani on twitter and i'm trent crusher bye bye horns up horns up